I remember actually at the time, like they had me kind of run a social media workshop for some of the people who had been to the TV station. Right. Like, TV and here you are, like entry level. Exactly. I was like, like the lowest this. man on the totem pole. Yeah. And they were like, can you teach people how to use Twitter? And like, I just remember, I thought it was really exciting and cool because it was like I got to work with these people who had been to the TV station for like 30 years. But they just hadn't, I mean, the, the world had completely changed. Welcome to the Do Cool Shit Podcast. On this episode, we have Garrett Downing. He's the director of social media with the Baltimore Ravens and an on-air personality for them as well. He's on TV shows, does podcasts, and he's all over their social accounts. He's truly great at what he does. Garrett's originally from Columbus, Ohio, where he actually knew from a young age that he wanted to get into this all the way through high school and then into college at Ohio University, where he pursued a journalism degree. His first job out of college was at the local TV station in Cleveland, and that's where we pick up his story. So like when I first got out of college, I went and worked for a TV station, uh, the ABC affiliate in Cleveland. Um, it was an online content producer role, which basically meant um, I wrote articles for the website. I uh, would cut some video from the from the newscasts. Uh, I ran all of our social media when I was on the clock, which was interesting. Like the social media was very much in the yeah, this is early stages. Early stages. What are we talking here, like Facebook 20, 10, 11 This is 2010-11. Yeah. yeah, so it was Facebook and Twitter, no Instagram, no Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing everything, news, sports, politics, um, weather, traffic. Wow. I mean, like, I would write, I remember when there would be, like, snowstorms in Cleveland, which you're from Buffalo, yeah, so yeah. you know about, like, uh, those, those, those storms. But, like, I would have to write like a running blog of, of traffic updates from the snowstorm. And, like, that would be what I would do for hours. I worked a tough shift I started the day at 5 a.m. it was like a 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. so that was like a quick introduction to like yeah. this is real the real world the real, here's the grind right? right and then I while I was there I basically like created an opportunity for me to work in sports like I knew I wanted to do sports so this was not a sports job it, like I said it was everything a lot of it was just publishing and like that's not that gratifying it was a good job but like just publishing other people's work wasn't really what I wanted to be doing um, and so I knew I wanted to do sports so I, I, I sort of like created a way for me to do it by being like you know I think that we need a running blog on Brown's training camp throughout the season and they were like alright cool like you want to be the guy to do it I was like oh it's funny you ask sure I'd be happy to <laughs> and then I also was like I think we should have some high school football produce content and so I like cultivated these relationships with the high schools where they would send us content mm-hmm. for free and that was like my access to get on the high school football show so it was like I sort of like back channeled my way into doing some of the things that I really wanted to do um, and like I mean for for when I was in that point like that's what I needed to do like right. all the Browns coverage my shift would end at 2 and then I would go to Browns training camp until like 5 because I was just like I want to do this it's cool it's yeah like, and I think quick sidebar here I mean I think that's such it's probably become easier to do stuff like that yeah. in today's world with the power that social media has ended up becoming. Like you can do what, like you have the the platforms to do what you you really want to do, and you have a, a place to show it. Um, but like, especially when you're just first starting off, like finding out what you want, kind of your next career move to be, yeah. and going out and doing it for sure. And like. I was fortunate because some places may say like, no, this is not, that's not your job. Just do this. And like, I had an awesome boss and I had some awesome, awesome people there that like gave me the freedom to like explore that. And then when they saw that I had interest and they felt like I was capable, then they gave me those opportunities. 
So like I'm fortunate because some places may, like I said, may have just been like, nah, yeah, like that's not really what we're looking for. Um, and I also had to be delicate about it because like at a TV station, everyone's always like suspicious of the guy or girl who comes in and is like, hey, actually, can I do on air work? You right. know, <laughs> like right, right. you weren't hired to be an on air person, right. but like you're trying to back channel your way. Um, so it was, it really was a great first job and I was there for about two years. And then from there, you know, what were your next kind of career steps? So just to backtrack real quick, when I was in college, I interviewed for a job with the Atlanta Falcons as a staff writer. Um, I did not get the job. I was a finalist for that job. Um, and they basically said, we want somebody that's a little bit more experienced, not someone coming right out of college. So then, you know, basically two, two years later, um, 18 months later, and this job opens up with the Ravens, and the person who I had interviewed with the Falcons says, hey, shoots me an, an email out of the blue and says, hey, not sure if you're still interested in working in the NFL, but this job opened. It was a staff writer position for the Ravens, uh, but I thought of you and wanted to send it along, and I was like, wow, that's awesome, yeah. um, which to me, like, the, the reason I tell that story is just because, like, sometimes, I mean, that took basically two years to, like, turn into mm-hmm. anything for me like I didn't get the job I stayed in loose contact with him but sometimes like something that you don't get turns out to be fruitful literally years down the road yeah you're absolutely right like even when you I guess you have no idea at the time like when you're developing good relationships with people or making an impression on people right. but you kind of never know what will kind of blossom right and like to me I would loosely stay in contact with the person who do the hiring. I wasn't like badgering him, right. but like every, I don't know, four months, I would send him an email and just say like, Hey, the season's starting soon. Good luck this year. Something as simple as that. Yeah. Or, Hey, um, here's a piece that I wrote. Thought you might be interested in checking it out. Any feedback you have would be appreciated. Yeah. Like something as simple as that. Um, and, and you know, he was, again, I think a lot of it comes down to like people being gracious and helping out, um, uh, which he was willing to do. Um, but so I interviewed for this job in Baltimore, mm-hmm. a staff writer job, had never been to Baltimore, didn't know anything. Yeah, did that feel kind of challenging? Because like this is the yeah, this is big the NFL. Yeah, yeah it's a big deal. Like it did. Like I, it's funny too. Also, I grew up hating the Ravens because I was from from right, Ohio right. and I was a Browns fan. So like I was living in Cleveland at the time, and like uh, I have family in Cleveland. They gave me all a hard time when I moved <laughs> out here. Um, but like, yeah, it was intimidating. Like I started in the middle of the season. I left the job in Cleveland on a Friday and moved to Baltimore on a Saturday and started work on a Monday and like mm-hmm. literally didn't know anybody in the city. Um, and so it was like intimidating and challenging and all that. But I just knew I was like, I wanted, this was to me like at that point, the dream job. Yeah, like I'm working in the NFL. I'm a staff writer for mm-hmm. an NFL team providing content from a written standpoint and they wanted me to do on-camera work so like to me it like checked every single box good organization um and i started in 2011 um the next year we won the super bowl i was like this is awesome yeah Yeah, well it'll be like every year yeah exactly go to super bowl every year you get super bowl ring this is incredible um so yeah that's that was like what i started in how has your role at the ravens kind of uh developed so like when i was initially hired i was a staff writer um, covering the team on a regular basis and write, primarily doing writing. I also did the on-air work, uh, which I still do now. Um, and then over the course of time, like just the job evolved and the industry evolved. Like there was no social media yeah, so professional. What was, right. Then. So what was what were your outlets? What were your ways to connect with fans at the time? So we had the website, we had the app, um, we had Twitter, and we had Facebook. So those were the the four that we that we had. 
And it was interesting because at that time, like the desktop site, this is 2011 when I first started, the desktop site was what really drove so much of the conversation. Like we focused on that in terms of display and how that looked, yeah. and then the app was secondary. And over time it became, and then, and then the social media piece was a distant component. Right, right. And over time it became, it shifted to where the app was really kind of the dominant conversation once you start like, seeing the numbers kind of focusing more mobile exactly and all that, like right? we were looking at we would look at stuff and we'd be like oh well uh you know when i started I these aren't exact so i'm kind of estimated here but like i started it was like 75 percent of our traffic came from the desktop site mm -hmm. then or then it became 50 50 and then all of a sudden very quickly it was like 75 percent of our traffic is coming from mobile and from the yeah. app so then that became the the key focus and social just grew and grew and so um three years ago or I think it was three years ago I moved into a role where I was over all of our social mm -hmm. channels obviously since 2011 we've added Instagram added Snapchat sure. um, you know and so so the, the, and social became a full-time responsibility and right. now there's a team of um, I oversee two people so there's a three-person team dedicated to social yeah. but there's also a lot of other hands that touch it like we have an entire video team mm-hmm that is not necessarily in the social department, but so much of their work goes, goes on social. Yeah. yeah. So I mentioned each year you guys in the off season develop like a game plan for how you're going to go into this season when it comes to social. So let's fast forward now to the 2019 season. What are some of your focuses going into that season? Um, I think that like at a very fundamental level, um, one of the things that we want, what we always try to do is basically find a way to create like a deeper connection with our fans and our team and our players. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is like the strategy piece that you're talking about, like planning and part of it is like organic and jumping on moments that happen um, and trying to like take fans into those moments or yeah. like latch on, like a, a simple example this year is like the big trust thing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's become a huge thing that everybody in Baltimore is saying and it starts with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and it's right. just grown and grown and grown and uh, we've certainly had a lot of fun with that and, and kind of latched onto it. And so sure. that was like, it's not like in uh, when we're having planning meetings in July and August, we're like, all right, we're going to really make big trust our campaign. Right, right, right. <laughs> like that was yeah, we know we're going to be in first place in the <laughs> right. NFL. We're going to have a bye week and this is what we're going to do. Right, 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 right. It was like, I mean, that was never part of it. So part of it is like, you you do have the plans, but then also a, I, I think an equally important piece is being nimble um, sure. and being like kind of latched in and, and keyed into what is going to resonate with fans. Um, and then allowing that to sort of dictate and direct some of your content. Sure. I guess a lot of it too is probably just like aligning with everybody in your, your department and in your whole digital team. So everybody's ready for those moments that are going to pop up. And so we, you know how to treat those, yeah. right? So like, um, you're all on the same page when it pops up. So you can be nimble yeah. as opposed to, you know, people running in different directions. Yeah, I for guess. sure. For sure. And like in terms of, you know, like this year we came into the year over the past couple of years, we've really made, um, like YouTube more of a priority than we had. Um, so that was like a platform mm -hmm. that we prioritized and um, we shifted the type of content we post there and how we post that content, how sure. frequently. So like that's one example of like, we went into it and we're like, over the past year, we're like, okay, we need to spend a little bit more time focusing in this area on yeah. this platform. And So what is it about YouTube that you saw that you guys wanted to then do? We thought that YouTube was an opportunity to make some money. So that was like a re mm. potential revenue driver. And we saw that when you look at our metrics and look at particularly watch time, um, 
people are consuming our content on YouTube as much in some in some levels as any of the other platforms, and it just doesn't feel like when you're talking about social media platforms, even just like casually, it feels like YouTube is in a different realm. Right. Like, right. Uh, and so we probably hadn't prioritized it enough, to be honest. Yeah, you probably, I mean, YouTube for the longest time was just a place you would host your videos. Yeah, it's like a, it was like an archive. Yeah, like a li- yeah. It was like a video library. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could, you know, embed it other sure. places or post it on Facebook or sure. whatever. Um, but I guess now, I mean, it's probably going to continue to happen. YouTube is becoming part of social media. Right, and like, we've also seen... Um, the content that works really well on YouTube is something that more and more teams are obviously doing, which is like your own hard knocks, you know, yeah. for lack of or a better. Or you get even deeper dives as yeah. opposed to, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, where it's quick, short snippets. Exactly. It's yeah. like, and so we have a franchise called Wired, which is yep. our, it's not hard knocks, um, you know, which is, it's, that's the easy comparison that everybody sure, makes, sure. but um, it's got behind the bench sound and it's got that, some of those iconic moments um that only we have right and so like um youtube favors some of that longer form content uh storytelling versus those short snippets that like may thrive on instagram or twitter so you kind of touched on a good point there when you guys look to create content how do you how do you find stuff in kind of a saturated market right Mm -hmm. so like you have access that not everybody has how do you take a look at that and say we want to take advantage of it yeah I think a lot of it is that we try to lean on those advantages. So like using the wired example, we've got, we've got some great moments this year, Lamar Jackson having conversations with John Harbaugh on the sidelines and John Harbaugh telling him, can you imagine how many kids are going to be wearing your Jersey in 20 years and what that's going to look like? And Lamar saying, I don't care. I just want to win a Super Bowl." Right. An awesome moment that uh, Ravens fans like connected with and that going back to like my original point, which is, we want to find, we want to deepen that connection. Like, I feel sure. like that moment is one that like makes fans love John Harbaugh even more and love Lamar Jackson right, even more. Right. Like that made both of them um, even more likable to our fan base. And there's been a handful of moments like that that we've captured over the course of the year. And so we want to like leverage those to for our fans to know like you can't you can't get there any, anywhere else. Like the Ravens are everyone's talking about the Ravens this year. NFL yeah. Network, ESPN, yeah. Sports Illustrated, like you name it, they are in many ways leading the conversation around the NFL. And so we have to use our advantages, which are moments like this, and then also access to players and relationships. So like, um, that's to me is something that I think is really important. Like we're in the building every day. We eat lunch with these guys. Yeah. We are a familiar face. They need to be able to trust us. And so when I run up to Lamar after a game and hand him my cell phone and say, Hey, can you deliver a message to, to Ravens fans? Yeah. Like within five minutes after a game, he knows who I am. He knows where it's going. He knows yep. what the purpose is. And that is within five minutes after game ending, we can have a message from Lamar Jackson directly to our fans, which is really cool for yeah. all of our fans who obviously aren't at the game, but they can hear from him as he's walking off the field. Right. I'll ask the cheese ball question. Then. <laughs> How fun has this season been for you guys? He's all, it's awesome. I mean, the, I've been there, like I said, 2011. So uh, I was there for the Super for the the Super Bowl 2012 but like this year is different in that like that team was 10 and 6 and it came down to late in season um, the team just wasn't as good as this year's team is Yeah, and never had the Ravens been 14 and 2 never had they been the number one overall seed 12 pro bowlers yeah 12 pro bowlers the most the MVP the most electrifying player in the league like it's it's crazy it's it's been um, 
there's been like times over the course of the year where I'm like, enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. know, you never know how good a team's going to be from year to year. And so yeah. to like, to have so much fun this year, I'm like, there's definitely times where I got to be like, soak this up because these seasons sure. are rare. Yeah. And to you guys' credit, like you guys have been in the right place to capture those moments of Harbaugh talking to Jackson. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that helps continue the buzz around the team, um, being able to provide that access to the entire world. And, you know, you got more people talking about how electric the Ravens are. So I think that's something really cool that you guys have been able to do this year. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, no. So like talk about, I guess the importance of, uh, building relationships with the players you kind of touched on it a little bit but like what are some of the things that you kind of do there mm-hmm. um, and your whole team does I guess I think for us part of it is just like familiarity and being there being a constant face uh, having a presence and so like they know players know kind of where we'll be and um, and they come to expect us yeah. in, in certain places and um, I think another part of it is I try to not just be like a somebody who is constantly coming with requests, right? Which I, you know, which is often the nature of what like we're doing. But yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to take a step back and like just be a person yeah, for a minute, exactly. As opposed to like a robot who's got a job to do and exactly. Yeah. Like I don't want every single interaction I have with Lamar Jackson to be, hey, can you do this? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And it's very, like, it's very easy to fall into that. Yes, exactly. aware of it. But. Exactly, and so I try, like, it's not like we're hanging out and I'm going to dinner with these guys and be like, hey, what, what do you want to do tonight? That's right, not really right. the case, but it's like, but to just have a conversation about, I don't know, your family or, or what you're going to do, yeah, what you did during the bye week, whatever, yeah. you know, get to know guys a little bit more. And I think that that goes a long way. Um, and then I think that like when players, one thing I think has been cool this year is I feel like the players and maybe it's just because of the nature of the season that we're having, but mm-hmm. it seems to me like they are like paying more attention and engaging with our content more than I can ever remember. Yeah. And it's, you're not asking them to do it. It's just no, what they do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so like, I think if they see that the, when we make a request and it's something that they like the final product, yeah. hopefully they do, obviously, yeah. that then they're more willing and interested in doing that when it comes around. Yeah. What makes a good social media post? <laughs> um, I think emotion. I think humor. Um, I think relatability. I think timing. Um, like Those are things that we're like taking into account. Like it's something as simple as... Um, how which, how we capture it and and like are we the only ones that have this content is this going to yeah. break some other way um are we capture which how are we which platform is it going to go on um how, are we capturing it with a cell phone or a video camera mm-hmm. uh, is it going to be photo or a video and you factor all that in right there's no one solution to the whole pot. right like we think about is this an event that's going to be covered by external media um could a player take this video and share it on their own and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the cat's out of the bag if you're trying to keep something secret? It's really hard to yeah. keep like something like this. Not that they're a secret, but like you're trying to hold something. It's really hard to do that. Yeah. Um, because because there's just so many different avenues there's, that you yeah, can get. other media, media outlets covering similar things. and Right. Yeah. Like we've, we've like, you know, a few years ago we, we had 
um, we do we do it every year, but we do a, a big media day like event and, and mm-hmm. shoot, and like our video team does like an awesome job with this whole set. And like we've had discussions like, do we do we post that? Do we hold it? And like right. holding you're anything, filming it for game day, right? Yeah, right. But and it's like goes, cool content at the time, exactly. And I'm sure players behind the scenes have cameras like filming, you know, each other doing it. Exactly. So like this year, we posted that content everywhere, and because mm-hmm. it's like we want to be part of that conversation in real time and you sort of get a double hit for yeah, it. You exactly. get it on that day and then I think you roll it out over the entire year. Yeah, I think that's becoming more acceptable. Like yeah. in the past few years, you'd be like, I need to hold this. You know, we're putting all this dollar value into like the big production of a, of a game. Yeah. But nowadays you can kind of get away with doing both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, how, how would you, how do you measure the quality of a, of a post. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know that it's good? Um, you know, is it all about the number of likes and engagement or is it kind of something bigger? We like to bait that fairly regularly. Like, what's the most important metric? Uh, is it engagement, likes, retweets, mm-hmm. video views, minutes viewed? And I don't think that there's one perfect answer. Uh, I think that for videos, we pay a lot of attention to the overall view count and then Mm -hmm. also the minutes viewed Mm -hmm. uh, because the minutes viewed has become more available for all platforms. And I think that gives you like a better idea of like how much your content is truly being watched. Sure. Uh, And then, but the engagement itself, like how many likes and retweets is this post getting? Uh, I feel like a lot of times those go hand in hand. Like if a, th- if a post is being retweeted a ton, it's going to have more views. Sure. Um, so I don't have like a perfect answer mm-hmm. to that. Like I think that as the world has shifted more and more to video, um, those have been, that has sort of become like more important. Um, the actual video metrics, views. Sure. The other piece too is money, like sponsorship. Like that is obviously like right. a big piece of what so we do. So if you could show that you have good solid numbers and engagement and likes and comments to a post, then you could kind of attract more dollar value out of that, right? Exactly. And like, just as a simple example, we have sold our final score graphic that we post on all of our platforms. Um, and that's like a highly valued post because that is something we're going to do every game. Mm-hmm. We're going to post the final score. Um, on platforms and that is going to be seen and shared especially after a win yeah. by thousands of people and so like to attach for a sponsor to attach themselves to that has value yeah I'd like to pivot a little bit kind of to like your on air stuff mm-hmm. um, I guess what what makes a good on air person like <laughs> I don't know if there's a, a perfect answer for it but I know probably not everybody can do it uh huh that's a great question um, I think that like or I guess maybe phrase it this way, like if it's somebody that's kind of aspiring to be that, mm-hmm. what can they do to kind of put themselves in a good position to be successful at it? I mean, like there's the simple things of like like speaking clearly and, and appearance and that stuff, which mm-hmm. like I think, I honestly think that's kind of shifting a little bit. I feel like, you know, like just watch sports commentary today and like, the attire has changed and like people are wearing like this and uh, yeah, yeah. you know or sweatshirts and like right. I think that part of that is like the barstool store I was gonna say that, culture yeah. where like guys are in t-shirts and hoodies and, mm-hmm. and that's like and people kind of could relate to that a little exactly. bit exactly and so it's kind of changed like even even at the highest level like the ESPN's like you don't see too many ties anymore on ESPN mm-hmm. um, and like things have changed a little bit in, in that regard I, I think that like 
being knowledgeable, being authentic, um, like being quick on your feet and being able to um, adapt. Um, it also depends. I think you can have a real difference in like what you're actually like being an on-air person for. Like, um, I think that some people are like great in the podcasting space, but like what, when you, you put them in front of like a teleprompter and like you're asked to like read off a teleprompter yeah. and like speak to it right to camera, like not their strength. It's kind of doing two things at once there. Yeah. It's just different. And like, and then also like, I think that, um, you kind of got to know like what your, your strengths are. Like I'm not, I don't try to be that funny because I don't think I'm that funny. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's just not my like shtick. Yeah. Um, and like I've certainly cracked jokes or whatever, but like that's just not where I thrive. Yeah, you don't want to hit that try hard moment where you've kind of right, like yeah, right. you, you ruined your brand. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's it's hard to you know, and everyone's got like different opinions um, as to like what makes somebody like a good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other part of it too is is preparation. Like I think yeah, if you, uh, I've had a chance to work with. This guy named Jerry Madelon, who used to be at ESPN, and now he owns his own business, and he's basically a talent coach um, was his role at ESPN, and he does that along with other things. But and one of the things that he told me was like that that stuck with me um, is that practicing is the secret sauce. Like that is mm-hmm. their secret sauce. So like the preparation, the time spent rehearsing and practicing, like that pays dividends when it comes time to actually do it. And so like, are there times where I basically step in front of a camera or a microphone and I haven't rehearsed? Like, yes. And yeah. I feel like you can tell right. like versus when I'm very well prepared and I know I'm doing an interview and I know the questions inside and out. Um, then you're just better equipped in that situation. Right, and then combine that with like being good on your feet and like having confidence is another probably mm-hmm. big thing. Um, reps, I, yeah. like like reps. anything, like you can't. Yeah, you can't take away from reps. Yeah, like, you just got to get under it and go. Right, like I think I, I hope that I'm better now than I was when I started with the Ravens eight years yeah. ago. Like yeah, I hope so. If, if anyone not, looks back at their work like eight years ago, I'd be like, man, that was good. Yeah, exactly. Like, I question how much you've been learning. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, you're not really doing much to improve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, what makes a good podcast? Asking for a friend. Yeah. Um, great guess. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like we're still trying to figure that out. Like yeah. for us, for us, the, the medium that we found to be like the most enjoyable and successful is a long form interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like that satisfies a lot of different, like we will take a podcast and then not only get the piece of content from the podcast out of it, but we'll often get a video or two out of it that Mm -hmm. turns into multiple social posts that probably turns into one or two articles. Got the video right there. Like all for all of those reasons, like, um, the podcast is like a lot of time with a person typically. And then you can make that like a lot of different content items. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, what's the most appealing thing about it right now is that it's kind of easy content for a lot of people trying to like, get more mm-hmm. and, and post regularly and, and all that stuff. But I think, yeah, I think one thing that, that a couple things that I've noticed about podcasts that are really important. One is a community. Um, mm-hmm. and like if, if you look at our podcast numbers for the Ravens and compare that to the number of people that are watching videos on Twitter, for example, it's night and day. There's way mm-hmm. more people that are watching videos on Twitter, but way like there's so many people that listen to the podcast that seem to be more loyal listeners because they are taking a 45 minutes to spend with us on a week that it's a yeah. more, it's like you don't just stumble upon the podcast you have to go out and seek it out discoverability is a little challenging the timing is long get to commit to it and so like 
we, if we ask for a call for emails, we get way more emails. We get a ton of emails of like things of what's your favorite summer beer and like, you know, yeah. things that are like Ravens related or completely nonsense. And like, or people will stop me around Baltimore and be like, I love Lounge. I love Lounge. That's the name of our podcast. I love Lounge. Um, and I think it's because like you feel like it's more of a community. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about podcasts is like because it's such a long form thing and because there is a desire for it, you really get to like dig into people's like, yeah, like feeling a little bit and totally they great. really, they could really identify with it. And the next thing you know, like they're hooked uh, or whatever, as opposed to like a social media post that could kind of like you're scrolling through mm-hmm. a timeline, you give it two seconds, you double tap it for a like, and then you move on with your life. Yeah. Like it's such a bigger connection. You have to seek it out. Like, and, and even if you find one episode and you just listen to that one episode, if you're going to subscribe, like there is an act, you're making a decision to mm-hmm. like, to subscribe. And yeah. that subscribe is like is tougher to do than just follow. And then there's a strap and listen, like people that are listening and devoting 45 minutes or an hour or 30 minutes, whatever the time frame is to one of our podcasts, one of your podcasts, like it's because they feel like there's a connection with the people doing it. They're genuinely like interested. And it's hard to be like fake for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you can kind of like fake it. And if you're doing like a two minute video, but like when you're doing a podcast, for like 30 minutes with somebody like you sort of just have to kind of be yourself. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and that's, yeah, that kind of goes back to like how hard it is to measure the quality of like a post or mm-hmm. a podcast. Cause they're so not equal. Like yeah. what's the value of a podcast compared to like an Instagram post or right. a tweet. Right. It's just, there are so many different levels of it. For sure. And that's why like, the, what, like which metric is most important. Like, uh, like if you were to just say like, that's just judge it only by uh video views or audio listens like then we would probably stop doing the podcast because we don't get nearly as many people to listen to podcasts as again watch our videos on twitter but like there is a community there that really enjoys it and consumes it um and it's you know it's growing that's the other thing i'd say about podcasts like it's the trajectory is only going up mm-hmm. and just like look at like companies like Spotify that are like investing yeah heavily into it hundreds of millions of dollars into mm-hmm. it like it is a growing industry and so like the, for all those reasons we feel like it's like really yeah. important to be in that space alright I'd like to move towards some rapid fire questions do it um, just gonna jump right in favorite memory of working at Baltimore Ravens winning the Super Bowl yeah I mean that's kind of an easy one and it, yeah. it was winning Super Bowl being on the field all of that um, a couple quick things that were the best part of that being at the game my dad and my two brothers were there so that whole week was incredible um, and then as part of that too it was I actually had my mom come to the ring ceremony with me when we got a Super Bowl ring mm-hmm. so like a full family affair and then being in the White House um, when we won yeah. and getting to like walk around the White House was incredible yeah Did- so you did you know you were getting a Super Bowl ring? I did. Yeah, I didn't. I like I wasn't hundred percent sure when we won. When like, did it click it? Well, I like guess. it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> like you kind of thought, like you kind of you heard, right? Like, but you don't want to like put your chips in. Yeah, exactly. Assume, right. And so there was, um, they would kind of call you. There was a woman who was running that, and basically you would come up and get your ring sized. Mm-hmm. But like, so people were starting to get calls, but they were doing it kind of on a one-on-one basis. They didn't send out like the company-wide email and say like, hey, everybody come up and get your rings. It was like you would get a phone call like, hey, could you come up and get your finger size for it's the kind of like the cut of 52 in training camp. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah exactly. One person gets exactly. called to the office at a time. And so like, 
it was for the longest time like you're like are you gonna get the call and uh my friend who i work with we were just mess with each other like i would push the ring around my phone and and i'd answer it like oh hello oh yeah i'll come and get my ring my finger size for the ring like just mess with them he's like you got a call and like we would just mess with each other and then actually one day we got a call and, and got it um so that was pretty sweet yeah that's definitely sweet um favorite part of the job i think that you just get to be around like incredible people yeah like just really cool environments with really interesting people. Like the number of people that I've come into contact with is just, is just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Where do you look for inspiration when you guys are trying to figure out what you want to do? I think that I look at, like I'm certainly like a junkie in terms of following and consuming like other teams. Mm -hmm. Like, so we use the tools that we have like the, dashboards and all stuff to look at what other teams are doing um i'm a big reader of like uh, publications like sports business journal um sport techie like those types of like publications so i try to like take things from all of that and then just like i don't know talk to smart people and yeah i uh, like have conversations like this and be like what are you guys doing and um i feel like those lead to some ideas yeah you're kind of forced to keep learning in yeah. this industry because it's ever-changing what's an amateur social media move I think um, I think trying to be inauthentic, like mm -hmm. um, it can just be like the the captions and the jargon that you use. Like if you're trying too hard to like be cool, right, right. Like I feel like a lot of times people can see through that. Or if you're, it goes back to like, are you trying to insert yourself into a conversation that you have no business being part of? Mm -hmm. um, just to be like, hey guys, look at me. How much do you think about your personal brand? Mm -hmm. um, as it relates to social media and all that? I try to like, I don't know. I, I try I try to like, feel like if you do good content um, at the team level and at the individual level, like then that's good for your brand. Sure. Um, but I also like, to me it's not as important right now to be like growing my own personal channels. Right. I think that's honestly changed. Like when I moved into this role over social, I, I feel like I post less on my own personal channels because I'm so consumed with the posts that are happening at the Ravens account level. Right. Um, that like I'm not doing as much of my own posting. It's definitely a thing now though that people promote and build their personal brands on their own social channels. I know, it, it, it is. But it like, this sounds weird. Like sometimes like at the end of a day, I'll just like don't want to do like social media for right. myself because uh, you do it all day at work. Exactly. I think the same. Sometimes <laughs> I like go on vacation. I don't want to vlog it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I just did like during the week or yeah. something. Um, I d yeah, I definitely think that's interesting. With that being said though, like if you're somebody kind of just starting off and you yeah. don't really have like a, your dream job yet, mm -hmm. I feel like that's definitely a thing you could focus on on using social media to kind of still being authentic but building your personal brand and that's kind of your portfolio nowadays yeah, for sure like if you would be shocked at the number of people that apply for a social media coordinator job and have a shitty social media channel yes yeah and and even just like in unprofessional um vulgar it's like you're applying for a job and you've got like mm -hmm. with an NFL team and like your posts are critical of Roger Goodell or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like a, a, in a very public way. And it's like, are you not thinking through this? Like, right. it's not like you're applying for a job um, at an accounting firm. Like you're mm -hmm. applying for a job at an NFL team and like you are 
yeah. being critical of, of people in the NFL. Like, yeah, it's definitely interesting. And, and if there's anyone like listening to this podcast that's kind of looking for a job, the first thing I do when I'm hiring, whether it be an intern or, you know, a, a position underneath me is like, I'm checking your social channels. Right. Like, I'm right. going to take a look. Right. All um, right. And honestly, if you don't have a public facing one or if it's private, I think that kind of like hurts you now a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like you should totally be maximizing that to some degree um, to kind of the job you want. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you, similar token, like if you have a bad presence, that's bad. And if you don't have a presence, that's also bad. Yeah. Like That's you should, you should, you should, if you're looking for a job in social media, you should be on social media. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good call. Yeah. Good call. Um, all right. This is my last question here. Best advice you'd have for somebody kind of just starting out that kind of wants to someday be in your shoes. I think that I would say it's not, it's less about like the actual work itself and more about like your work ethic and that sounds like cliche but I just really believe it like I go back to that when I was talking about my time in Cleveland and I would work like the early morning shifts and then I would go and maybe spend three or four hours like of my own time and mm-hmm. then that's what like opened up this opportunity for me to come to the Ravens like you know when you're in college and you want to be out on Friday nights like maybe you're giving up that Friday night to work on a high school football show like I did mm-hmm. and like you know you make some of those sacrifices and you spend the extra time I think it's really important at a young age to like do those things um, so that people know that you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to put in the time. And if you want to work in sports, um, those are the things that like are kind of expected. Um, it's a competitive place to be. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the work ethic piece is is really important. Um, you know, I, I think that can the other stuff can be taught. Like I didn't take a single social media class when I was in college. Right. Like there was they didn't exist. Um, but you learn fundamental skills. You can buy that with a good work ethic, and I feel like that pays dividends down the line. For sure. All right, Garrett Downing, Five right, More Ravens. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, Thanks man. for coming on. Absolutely. Last time I was hanging out with Christy, she was looking for new shoes for you. Do you think you have good style? <laughs> I would say I I have great style. <laughs> Christy would disagree. <laughs>